Thank you for having shoveled your way out to make it here this morning. When I was a kid, my mother, who grew up on a chain gang, would force my brothers and me out into the snow to shovel and shovel and shovel. I really disliked shoveling. One of the French benefits of being a priest is that most of the time you don't have to shovel. So I think I may be a priest because it's a reaction to my mother forcing me to shovel. It's like, okay, motivation. We pick up in that gospel reading, so we're in Luke 4, exactly where we left off last Sunday. To remind you, this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry as an adult. He is in the region where he grew up, Galilee, and he's going from synagogue to synagogue teaching people. The gospel writer tells us that people react very positively and word about Jesus spreads. Presumably it has spread to his hometown, Galilee, which, uh, Nazareth, which is in Galilee. Last Sunday, we heard Jesus makes the choice to go to Nazareth, the hometown in which he grew up. People, family, friends, neighbors who know Jesus in many ways, and they presume they know him quite well because he's grown up with them. He goes on the Sabbath day. The scripture writer says this is his custom. He worships God on the Sabbath day, goes into the synagogue, presumably the synagogue where he has grown up, and he's the person who's going to teach, preach that day. He's given a scroll, we heard last Sunday, from the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus makes the choice to go to the very beginning of Isaiah 61. We spoke about this last weekend. It's a passage that would be familiar to most or all of the people in that synagogue, because it's a passage in which God, for hundreds of years, has spoken through this word, promising ultimately salvation to God's chosen people. God, in Isaiah, says that he is somehow going to intervene in this world and free people from everything that separates people from God. So the people would be familiar with this. Jesus reads the passage, he rolls it up, gives it back to the attendant, then he sits down. The scripture writer tells us that people are looking intently at Jesus, so they're focused, they're listening to what he's going to teach. And what he teaches, the scripture writer just gives us one line, presumably he teaches more, but the heart of it is, today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus isn't shoving this at anyone, he's laying it out. No way that most people could totally grasp that, but they should basically be able to get the message. The word of God has been read, the sacred scripture. The son of God, it turns out, is instructing people to help them understand it. The spirit of God is fully present in this assembly because the Holy Spirit is fully in Jesus. The only variable is how will the people respond? We talked about this to repeat last week. If this were a made up story, I strongly guess that the scripture writer would say the people understand it on some basic level and they rejoice. If this were about God just plops into our lives and changes us automatically like magic, I think it would say the people basically understand it and rejoice. This is not a made up story and it's not about magic. What really happens, that's what we hear in this week's passage. What really happens is at first the people speak highly of Jesus. All of them do. They're amazed at the words that he's speaking. Very, very positive reaction. And two parts of it. They clearly are listening. They let in what he says and the word of God through the scripture. They're amazed. That's a reaction. And they go further. They speak to one another about Jesus. 
You and I can sit here and not pay attention whatsoever, not be amazed by anything. You and I could just receive the word, receive even the sacrament, and not speak to anyone about it. They make the choice to share with one another the experience they're having through Jesus. Then things get more complicated. They say, isn't this the son of Joseph? So it's a very good question. They only know so much about Jesus. He is much more than the son of Joseph. It's, he is the son of God. So that's a positive reaction in that hopefully people are opening up. There's more to this person than we thought. It's even that he's greater than a teacher that people are, who people are speaking about. He is the son of God. He's entered into their presence. He's begun God's kingdom. They should be asking that question. But there's also probably some negativity in there. There's a parallel text in John 6, which people say a little bit more. There's probably a sense, at least among some of these people, hey, this is the carpenter's son. He's a working class guy. Maybe even, who does he think he is? Probably, yes, saying, identifying himself as the Messiah or that salvation has begun this day. Still, objectively, good questions. Jesus knows that there's a lot of negative stuff going on here. He says what he knows they're thinking. You're going to say to me, do here in Nazareth some of the things you did in Capernaum, another town in Galilee. Presumably, Jesus did some wonderful things, wondrous things in Capernaum. He knows that these people are thinking, well, if you're so great, if you're the Messiah even, do these wonders for us. He knows what they're thinking, and he rejects it. Jesus doesn't, even for his own mother, do anything on demand. Jesus does the will of his Father. So he loves these people. He's being straightforward with them. Then he gets even deeper. He says that, he's, he says, a prophet is not welcome in his native place. And he cites two passages from the Old Testament that hopefully you're familiar with because we do hear them at church about Elijah and Elisha, great prophets, true prophets, who are prophets for God's chosen people. But God's chosen people are not open to them. They enter into the lives of some foreigners who are open to them, reluctantly open to them. And because those foreigners are open, great signs do take place, miracles take place, because these people welcome God's prophets. You still with me here? Jesus is saying, I'm God's prophet, and you're not welcoming me. You are not welcoming me, period. The response is fury. They, I do not know what's going on inside of these people in the synagogue, but these are really troubled people. These are really nasty, troubled people. If Jesus comes in and identifies himself with the Messiah, and you think it's ridiculous, well, you would leave, I would think. You would dismiss him. If Jesus challenges you that you're not open to me as a prophet, and you think that that's ridiculous, you would probably laugh at him, but you would certainly leave. To respond with fury, there's something really, or some things, really bad inside of these people. They respond with fury, they drive him out of the synagogue, they lead him to the top of the hill on which Nazareth is built to hurl him down. Jesus somehow passes through them and he moves on. Is this a miracle? It is not a miracle. If it were a miracle, it would totally contradict what he's just said. There's no wondrous, miraculous sign being done. He, Jesus, has the strength to somehow walk through them and keep going. Jesus ultimately 
is going to be taken by a furious crowd of people. It's a couple years later, and they are going to push him out of the town. It turns out to be Jerusalem. And they are going to lead him up a hill, Calvary, and they are going to kill him. These people, it's not yet time for that. The fullness of time, that's the way Jesus will bring salvation into this world and destroy death. But right now, these people who want to kill him, he passes through them. So as you reflect on this passage this week, picking up where we left off last week, we're reflecting on the assembly and how the word of God acts in the assembly and the variable to repeat is us. Jesus has lots of people 2,000 years ago and today who respond very positively to him. Hopefully all of us are such people who really do open up and listen and have his truth revealed and become his followers and live his love, helping to build his kingdom in this world. There are also people who are very close to Jesus, who react with fury, who for all different kinds of reasons reject him and don't just dismiss him, but respond with fury and want to drive him out of town and want to kill him. That's just the fact. What I encourage you to focus on this week in the continuation of this passage is Jesus, not on the assembly, Jesus. Because if you make the choice to live as his disciple today, sooner or later, in big ways or small ways, you're going to experience that same response. Hopefully, if you live as a disciple of Jesus, you have a lot of love and a lot of positivity, and you have people who really, really uphold the goodness you're trying to live. But in every time and place, and certainly in the United States of America in 2022, people are going to respond not just dismissing us if we live Jesus' truth. If we actually go out and speak it and live it, there are plenty of people who respond with fury, and they try to drive us out of town, and they would love to throw us off a hill and kill us. That's what a lot of cancel culture is about, not just toward Christians destroy anybody who speaks God's truth. Destroy them. Two things. Look at Jesus. He is able to live in that reality and to make his way through. He is able to respond to the most hateful people with God's love. What he does in that synagogue, he ultimately does through the depth of his passion because the power of God's love and life is infinitely greater than all the hatred, all the nastiness, all the fury, even death itself. Consider this week, at this stage of your life, in what ways are you walking through whatever the nastiness is toward you and me as a Christian today? And the ways that you recognize you're not like Jesus, those are points for growth. If you recognize you don't feel strong enough, that you're not making your way through, ask Jesus to help to grow to be like him. Ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in whatever concrete ways you need to grow to be like him walking through that assembly. Second and final point is, and a lot of us, have been, including me, have been working on this in recent years in our culture. It's one thing that Jesus does not do in that assembly is he doesn't respond in kind to any unholiness When people are willfully ignorant in that crowd, Jesus doesn't respond with willful ignorance. When people are nasty, 
he does not respond with nastiness. When people are furious, he does not respond with fury. When people want to kill him, they're trying to kill him, he does not respond with unjust violence. You might say, well, Jesus is God. Of course, he's not going to do anything unholy. Jesus is also a fully human being. He's tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. He, is, he has to be as tempted as you and me to, as you and I are, to respond in kind to unholiness. Many sincere Christians, and I presume it includes every single one of us, are highly tempted in our society to cut corners in all of this. Tim is nasty, and he says the nastiest thing to me, and I respond with nastiness. Not horrible nastiness, but I cut the corner. That Tim is so rude. Tim, and it's just a bad name, and I know I'm not supposed to be rude, but he's so rude, I cut that corner. This is everything to do with social media, right? Cancel culture. Someone is just nasty, and I respond with nastiness. Cutting corners on unholiness leads to cutting more corners on unholiness. Cutting corners to respond in kind to unholiness does not lead to strength. It does not lead to God. It snowballs. If you put in the effort to not cut corners on this, you do grow in strength. You grow in character, in moral virtue, and you do grow to a point that you're not even interested in cutting corners. And you look at people who cut corners like these two, and you say, wow, am I thankful that I'm not even tempted that way anymore. So I encourage you to focus on that. The fury is not going to go away. The nastiness is not going to go away in our lifetime. If you're thinking that there's ever going to be a time living as a Christian in this country in which people don't want to throw you off the hill, it's not going to happen. We can be like him. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.